Here we go. West Hills Friends is a Quaker meeting in Portland, Oregon. You can find more information about our community at westhillsfriends.org. As a Quaker community, we encourage everyone to share from their hearts, especially as it pertains to God's leading in their lives. These words are shared into a community that values the opportunity to respond and dialogue about what is said. The responses and dialogue are not included in this recording. The views expressed in this content are solely those of the original contributors. And do not necessarily speak for the entire West Hills Friends community. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day. Scripture reading today comes from Matthew's Gospel. If you'd like to read along, the page number is printed on the cover of your bulletin. Addressing the crowd, Jesus said, You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Deep in the mines of Moria, Frodo Baggins and his traveling companions hear the dreadful pulse of goblin war drums. Boom, 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 boom. Boromir races to the gate. As he locks the doors in place, he moans, They have a cave troll. There are six billion goblins charging at the gate, but Boromir is worried about the singular cave troll. There is a reason for this. Cave trolls are humongous. They're like bipedal siege weapons. They are bulldozers of flesh and bone. The cave troll stabs Frodo with a spear. It's like 23,000 pounds of force against the rib cage of someone who stands three feet tall. There's no way that Frodo could survive, but he does. Frodo survives because he is wearing a mithril shirt. In this universe, we don't have anything like mithril. For mithril to be mithril, it must shimmer like polished silver. It must be as supple as silk. It must be impossible to pierce. More than this, mithril must absorb the force of a troll-driven spear and transfer all that lethal energy away from the point of impact. Think about it. Even if you're wearing a puncture-proof shirt, if you're hit by a locomotive, <laughs> it will kill you. In order to protect the wearer from wayward trolls, a mithril shirt needs to dissipate huge amounts of energy. We don't have anything like that. That is why mithril is on the periodic table of fictional elements. <laughs> it's like kryptonite or dilithium crystal. 
It's a famous element. Its properties help define a fictional universe, but it can only be found on the periodic table of fictional elements. One more. In the movie Avatar, we human beings travel to space. Then we commit genocide and destroy an entire ecosystem because of greed. I know, science fiction is so unrealistic. <laughs> In Avatar, we're trying to get our hands on a fictional element called unobtainium. I've always thought that this might be the most ridiculous name in the history of film. Dear James Cameron, if you're going to spend $200 billion on a movie, will you please pay someone to come up with a better name than unobtainium? I mean, it just doesn't have the same flair as mithril or dilithium crystal. Well, it turns out unobtainium has a pedigree that goes back to the 1950s. This silly word was invented during the Cold War. In America, we wanted the scariest, most technologically advanced weapon on the planet, and we wanted it before anyone else had it. In order to win the arms race, we asked our scientists to imagine what they could build with materials that weren't yet invented. We asked them to imagine what could you build with a material that was this light, and this durable, and this flexible. Engineers called this imaginary building material unobtainium. Sometimes those materials were actually developed. For example, one theoretical jet was eventually built using, and I quote, a carbon-carbon composite covered with a silicon carbide ceramic coating. I don't even know what it means for something to be a carbon-carbon composite. What's the difference between a carbon composite and a carbon-carbon composite? What about, what about a carbon-carbon-carbon composite? I don't know what a silicon ceramic carbide coating is either. I will say this, it sounds like a bad idea to put any of this stuff in the microwave. Although my understanding of science is quite limited, I'm pretty sure that the periodic table of elements is about elements. It's right there in the title. Whether we're talking about the chart you remember from high school or the periodic table of fictional elements, we're talking about elements. Elements are irreducible. On the molecular level, I'm so glad to see Julie nodding right now. <laughs> On, on the molecular level, gold is made of gold. Iron is made entirely of iron. This is what it means for something to be an element. It is made entirely of itself. I think we can assume that Frodo's mithril shirt is entirely made of mithril. But if unobtainium is made with silicon carbide ceramic coating, then it is not an element. It is a compound. A compound doesn't have to be fancy. It doesn't have to be rare. For example, water is a compound. On a molecular level, we identify water as H2O. 
Water doesn't appear on the periodic table of elements because it's a compound of hydrogen and oxygen. Scientists distinguish between something elemental and something that is a compound. The distinction is important. Whether something is an element or a compound also matters in the stories we tell. When I was a child, the Starship Enterprise was always powered by dilithium crystals. This was an important part of the story. Dilithium was not made in a laboratory. It was a rare and precious mineral that had to be mined from the ground. The United Federation of Planets was often called upon to negotiate for mineral rights. The narrative of Star Trek was shaped by the fact that dilithium is an element. When human beings travel to a distant galaxy in order to annihilate the local populace and strip mine unobtainium from beneath the ruins of their civilization, I think we can assume that unobtainium is an element. We humans are greedy to be sure, but we're also very practical when it comes to the cost of doing business. If unobtainium is a compound of carbon and palladium and whatever, then evil corporations would probably make it in a local sweatshop. Why spend money to send soldiers and scientists and mining equipment, several million uh, tons of mining equipment across the vastness of space, if you, can if you can just hire some impoverished Martians to do the work in a clean room for 12 hours a day? The story of Avatar only makes sense if unobtainium is an element that we have to go get. When we tell the story about ourselves as the people of God, do we see ourselves as an element or a compound? In the tradition of James Cameron, let's invent something with a ridiculous name. Go to Churchium. Does go to churchium belong on the table of elements or is it a compound? Here's why it matters. If the church is an element, then it makes sense to keep ourselves pure. Remember, gold is made entirely of gold. Mithril is made entirely of mithril. If we put the church in this category, then allowing some other element into the mix can only diminish us. We are made less pure. Our value is debased. Our strength will be compromised. That's what happens if we think of the church as an element. If go to churchium is a compound, then we are different elements bound together. We are united, but we are not the same. We are bound together, but we are distinct. That's the story we can tell if we think of the church as a compound. Together, we're like water. We're like salt. Table salt is sodium chloride. It's a compound. Within the structure of table salt, there will always be sodium. There will always be chlorine these two elements will remain distinct. The sodium will never be chlorine. The chlorine will never be sodium. 
Salt doesn't become more salty when one of these elements loses its distinctive identity. Salt needs them both, bound together, but distinct. Jesus calls us the salt of the earth. If the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? If we interpret this as a statement about purity, then we will try to keep the church made entirely of itself. We will be exclusive. We will push away anything that might pollute us. But what if saltiness isn't the substance? It's the bond. What if saltiness is the bond that holds sodium and chlorine together? Then our work is not about exclusion. It's not about uniformity. If saltiness is about the bond that holds sodium and chlorine together, we are the salt of the earth when we are bound together. If gotichurchium is an element, then we must be vigilant against impurities. But if it's a compound, we can build bonds across our distinct identities and thereby form a new substance. What is the story that God would tell through us? What are the elements that God has bound together in this particular church? How do we make room for our differences? How do we strengthen the bond that makes us who we are collectively?